Parker. I am the Adult Service Librarian at the Robson County Public Library. I am here with Mr. Hector Murray. Thank you so much for coming today. Well, thanks, sir. Thanks for inviting me, man. You're very welcome. And you're broadcasting on your podcast? Yes. Uh, we'll put this on our uh, podcast channel later, yeah. And what's the name of your podcast? Uh, Faith and Fandom. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, if you just look up Faith and Fandom, it's on all the podcast channel places. Sounds good. Um, so, yeah, I just had a few questions today. I wanted to talk to you about some of your writing, um, what started you into writing and everything. Um, so, first of all, what inspired you to start writing? I think I've always uh, liked writing uh, from school up, middle school on. Like, I was always jotting down something. But uh, I think the initial um, reason I really started writing was because I felt like I had a voice in some things that I felt like other people felt, but there wasn't an outlet. Yeah. And uh, just, you can't just walk up to people and randomly start spouting out ideas even if you think they share them. So yeah. um, I figured writing would be the best outlet for it and that it could eventually find people that wanted to hear it or share it. Thank you that. What was one of the first things you remember writing? The first things I remember writing like, uh, was like stuff for like my 11th grade English class. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like uh, we had uh, this teacher that just really promoted us for writing and things like that. I remember like as dorky as is writing a poem about this girl I had a crush on in like my English class and like reading it to the whole classroom, like hoping she'd hear that poem in me. At, I love this person now. I hope this poem's about me. And you know, that didn't happen. Um, but <laughs> that was one of the first things I remember like writing specifically. And one thing about writing is it can feel so real because it is real. It's the most real we can be sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, are there any authors that you strive to be like? Um, I think as far as that I would want to be like, uh, there's an author named Bob Goff that I really mm -hmm. enjoy just in terms of encouragement and uh, the way he connects with people. Um, I also really like a guy named John Acuff who uh, started a whole book series and writing career and speaking career off of making funny tweets and blog posts that he would then turn into books. So he, he like uh, literally just started tweeting and then his tweets got too long to tweet and he turned them into blogs. Then he put them in a book and then he is like one of the biggest uh, speakers for events and motivational stuff now. But uh, I'd say Bob Goff, John Acuff, uh, I'd love to say uh, James Patterson in terms of consistency because that dude puts out like four books a year yeah. since like 1994. Between him, Danielle Steele, and Nora Roberts, the library is never going to be without books. <laughs> it's, I, and I'll get behind like, because I usually read the Alex Cross novels. Yeah. And like if I get behind one, by the time I get to that one, there's like five other ones that have dropped. So, um, and that consistency also... Uh, I, I think those are the big ones that um, I really connect with on most writing. There's also a, a comic book writer named Tom King that I think has one of the best voices in terms of connecting people like with his uh, thoughts and heart all in one line. Nice. Let's see. Um, so you mentioned when you started writing was when you were well, 11th grade was one of the main times you remember writing. but. What was one, what is the first book you published? So the, the first book I published is uh, called Faith and Fandom and um, it was specifically because I was spending a good amount of time in the comic book culture, the yeah. Comic-Con culture and um, 
I felt like uh, there was a void of there wasn't anything positive spiritually present like uh, that uh, a lot of the stuff that was there there was lots of people could enjoy but if there was anyone looking for anything spiritually they would they wouldn't find what they were looking for and I would meet a lot of people in that culture who had questions who were curious who were looking for something like that but in that same time I knew that if they were looking they wouldn't find what they were looking for and um, that was one of those things I felt like I had a perspective on that that I thought could truly benefit somebody like you know even if it was like one or two people Um, but I just really started I I published with the goal of uh, that I was going to publish that one book for a three-day event and that would be it like I didn't plan on continuing writing or that it was going to be something that was going to take up a decade of my life or anything it was like I it was supposed to be a weekend project and it uh I wrote it specifically for that for like one event in 2014 and yeah and the rest is history yeah <laughs> how many do you currently have out uh I have 15 books I don't claim like two or three of them as actual books. They're like, one of them is a compilation of stuff from other books of mine. And, uh, yeah. and then, uh, so that's like cheating. Um, and then one of them is like a travel journal. I didn't even bring that. Um, and so that's got like five, five sentences in it. So I don't count that either. But um, like there are nine books in the Faith and Fandom series. I've got three books that are like uh, church focused. I've got one children's book. And then I have a section in a comic book. Nice. And um, just Pat, beyond books, I also wrote for um, Screen Junkies. And, uh, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Huh. <laughs> um, I wrote for Screen Junkies. I wrote 131 episodes for them. Okay, that is really, really impressive. Because <laughs> I watch them all the time, especially their Honest Trailers. Okay, um, so the guy who, the original Honest Trailer voice guy, mm-hmm. well, I, I would write stuff for him. Not the, not the newer generations, but um, they, uh, before they were fully screen junkies, they were um, also partially a company called Clever Movies. Mm-hmm. And um, I got, there was one of the producers for that read my first book, and it was within three months of the first book coming out. And um, read my first book, and they needed to hire a geek on staff mm-hmm. um, because they had a show called Fanboy Face Off where uh, they uh, would have two hosts argue over who would win in a superhero fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were basically just pulling Wikipedia pages, and people could tell that yeah. the host didn't know what they were talking about. Um, so they hired me to be their resident geek. So uh, they would say, all right, this week, uh, Nightcrawler is going to fight Mystique, write both arguments. And so I'd literally sit at my keyboard and like throw insults at myself and zingers and try and like be insulting back and forth for these hosts that would eventually go on and record it. So I did uh, 131 episodes of stuff like that, or uh, why uh, seven things you didn't know about Grant Gustin, who was the TV Flash, and creepy things like that. Um, you know, <laughs> where I'm like investigating people's lives, and um, I wrote for them from uh, 2014 till 2017. That is really cool. Um, let's see. So, what goal do you have when, or to hope? Bleh, bleh, bleh. Sorry. What goal do you hope to achieve with your writing? Whew. Um, on a big scale, um, I want to help be a voice for people who are uh, 
trying to find something to express on the level of people are passionate about nerdy things, but also passionate about their faith, um, or for people who are passionate about nerdy things, but curious about their faith or somewhere in that. That's, the, that's been the big goal and project overall, but uh, a lot of that also means that trying to be as honest with what stuff that I write so that when people read it, they're, they can connect with it on an honest level themselves. Yeah. Um, like uh, I wrote uh, something on, uh, there's an animated movie, Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh yeah. Um, I wrote something on that like four or five books ago, and but it was on dealing with the loss of your parents, and I started writing that, and I like got wrecked myself because uh, as I was writing out, I started writing out things I hadn't actually processed that I felt, and so as it was like leaving my fingers and going to the keyboard, I'm like, oh, I'm totally not over any of this, and yeah. <laughs> like just start ugly crying on my keyboard, and or uh, there's. Um, are you familiar with Clone Wars at all? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, the whole thing with Ahsoka Tano getting kicked out of the Jedi Order. Yeah. Um, like I wrote a chapter on that about what that kind of compares to with getting church hurt or being hurt by the religious community. And okay. That's really <laughs> clever. I like that. Um, and But also in doing that, I think I was sad for about two weeks after writing that because it brought up a bunch of stuff I hadn't really dealt with. And so like... I know that if it affects me when I write it, it has the potential to affect people when they read it. Yeah. And so trying to help people connect with stuff like that, but also just kind of finding a home in what they're doing. And then some stuff, that's, that's the big writing goal. The other stuff is just telling stories that I think might be individual. Um, right now there's a comic book that I've written that's being illustrated that's just about awkward stories growing up in the church. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, for kids that went to church and like awkward stories, like going to lock-ins and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's just not like negative towards anything. Just there, if you ask a random group of people, hey, did you ever go to a lock-in when you were a teenager? It's probably at least five, like 5% 5 of the rooms like, yeah, I did that, stuff like that. Yeah. Just, just to try and connect people and help them feel seen, heard, and also kind of point them to the things that I think give life in, in my journey so far. Yeah, I think what the one of the main things you do that I think is really, really cool is you take a lot of like pop culture stuff that people are familiar with and you connect it to a way that's very personal. And it's I really like that. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. No problem. Um, so I'm kinda curious about two things. Like what is the writing process like and what is the publishing process like? So the writing process, um, honestly a lot of times can end up being something like we're in the middle of watching something as a family or individually and like I'll stop and like pause and I might make a meme of something or just take notes like uh, last night we were watching uh, the new Lord of the Rings show yeah. and um, like there was this really great line and I look over and my daughter is like staring at me like <laughs> like she knows I'm gonna do something with that and so, like, I, so just, I paused, pulled out my notepad, like, 56-minute mark, this quote, and I'll go back later. Um, and so, like, I'll, there'll be stuff that I'll make notes. And for the longest time, it was, I would, because I spent pretty much from March to October on the road, um, on the weekends, that I would write basically from November to February, would just be, like, my focused disciplined every day I'm gonna write 30 40 minutes to an hour 
and that was when I was trying to publish a book every year on a certain schedule. Like, I would publish a new book in May, have it by June, tour it through the summer and through the fall, start working on the next book. And uh, that was my schedule from when I started until the pandemic. And then in the pandemic, I just kind of stopped caring about everything. So it's just, you know, we'll see how it goes later. Um, but that, that's kind of my process, like, is that I'll give myself to the fall and then I'll start, like, right now, like, um, I've got uh, chapter notes outlined for the new Batman movie. Um, I've got one for just kind of a deep character introspective on uh, Anakin Skywalker from like start to finish um, of his character. Uh, and those are ones that are just kind of like, there are notes made and like I know I'll flesh it out later, but um, there are other times where it'll be like the minute I hear something or see something, I have to stop everything else I'm doing and like I'm done, I'm not doing anything else until you know that's done. Uh, like, uh, we watched Stranger Things season four, and um, I waited, and, like, I had stuff on my mind as soon as I watched uh, episode three, whichever the uh, Dear Billy episode was. Um, and I had I had things in mind the minute I watched that, but then I was like, sure. yeah. It was the fourth one. It was the fourth one? <laughs> Thank you, Colin. See, bro, I knew I could trust you. Um, but uh, episode four, like, Dear Billy, like, I was like, oh, I need to write about this. And then I was like, but I've learned from I've learned my lesson from previous storylines that I can't write until the story's over, or at least comes to a conclusion. Because I end up writing faster than the story resolves, and like I, so as soon as the last episode of this season of Stranger Things dropped, like I'm like see on like eight hours, and I I just wrote until that was done, and um to get that, and so also part of the process was that uh, for the longest time. Uh, I would write a chapter, it'd go in a Word document, and it would sit there in isolation until uh, the book's published. Um, when the pandemic hit, I, we weren't going to cons. I wasn't out there giving books away or anything like that. So one of the things that really became the focus was I want to make sure stuff's still going out. So over the pandemic, we uh, made a website, and we went. We retroactively went back and put every book chapter individually for free on our website. Um, so there's like 160 devotionals just on the website from that. But now when I have a new chapter written, it automatically goes on the website and an audio version of the rough draft goes out already. So um, by the time, like, so I'm technically writing book nine. So by the time book nine comes out, all the chapters are already be on our website and in audio format. They might be the rough drafts, but that's what's up there. And um, so that was originally the writing process, but like I mentioned too, that uh, I, I learned to wait until I'm fully done with the topic, because uh, there was one time I was writing about uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and uh, in that I finished the game, beat it, and then I went to uh, write about it, wrote the whole thing, it was in the publication process, and since I was done writing, I'm like, I'm gonna go back and finish a little extras, the bells and whistles and stuff. And I got some other memories in the game that you were supposed to collect, and it completely changed the story. Yeah. And I realized everything I just wrote in the book was wrong. Um, and I was like, time out, stop, don't put, publish this, I had to go back and edit it, so now I'm like, when it's over, I'll publish it. Um, on the publication process on what that looks like for me, um, I've always, for the most part, published through uh, Amazon's uh, KDP or Kindle Select program, or they've, they've changed names a couple times in the time I've been doing it. But uh, 
Amazon's always been really great because if you turn in a Word document and your cover image, they do the rest. So uh, my, the publication process would be I would write my rough draft, I would hand it over to an editor, um, it would get edited, I would look back over it myself eventually because it used to be that once I gave it to the editor I didn't want to look at it again and I would just publish whatever the editor did and usually there'd still be stuff missing. Um, so I need, I've learned over the years, read it, read it, reread it, do all these things. So now it's like once I've written it, I read the whole thing, make all the changes I can make, then turn it into the editor, then reread it when I get back and do that again. And uh, with that, and so once it's turned into Amazon, they review it, select it, make sure it's not like copyright infringement or I'm plagiarizing anyone else. And the only time I've ever had any issue on that was um, when I made the, so I made a Faith and Fandom Junior, which had all the kid-focused chapters from the first five books, um, maybe four or five, I think it's the first five, and um, I got flagged and uh, focused on for plagiarism and copyright infringement because I was stealing from an author named Hector Myrie. And so like they actually filed an injunction and shut down my publication because I was stealing from myself. And um, I had to go through this whole review process of like, nope, this is, this is my work. And which is why I've not done any other um, compendium or collected versions anymore. Because somebody's like, put them all together and put them in a hardback. I'm like, that's great, but that's legal issues and I don't want to deal with that. So um, that, that's, uh, once you submit it to Amazon, they usually take like three or four days. And from that point, as soon as it's live, it, it's automatically loaded to Amazon's website. Um, but then they put it on all the major publishers and stores. Like uh, you can get my books at Walmart and Barnes and Noble and all that stuff. Um, yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, they don't like just keep it stocked on the shelf, but a manager can be like, I want this many or whatever else. So, um, and so, but it's weird when people have like shown me like, hey, look, it's at Walmart. Um, so, and that's like, I never know where it's, I never know where it's being sold. If I just, if it's selling somewhere other than me, I get like, you get like 30 cents for this commission or per like royalty or whatever. So I don't know where it sells, but the publication process has been really good so far with Amazon because they, um, as a self-publisher with for almost all of my stuff is self-published. Um, a few of like the comic books, not self-published. And, um, I contributed to another book work that wasn't self-published as well. Um, but, uh, with that, they are one of the best ones for working with that because a lot of self-publishers will want to charge you uh, by volume. They say, uh, if you write your book, we'll give you your book for $5 a copy if you buy 500 copies. And I, I, I would just straight up tell you no independent author needs 500 copies of their book up front because um, yeah. that's going to last you for like 30 years. Um, unless, you, unless you have something amazing take off that's you know, it's the, and I didn't know that. So like with my first book, I ordered 200 copies out the gate and um, didn't take as long as I thought um, because I was on the road a lot and that helped. Right. Um, but uh, now that, that's been pretty good. I've had a good relationship with them overall through everything. And uh, they've promoted me and I think uh, with that, four of the books have been Amazon bestsellers. Um, 
and so that's been cool but like you know i don't know how that fits into the grand scheme of other bestsellers but like it, on amazon they've been bestsellers and stuff for a few of them yeah, and i do know that amazon's been pretty good for like new new authors and specifically self-published authors yeah so, yeah it, my friends had sent me screenshots and stuff of hey um like i went to go buy attack on titan and it recommended your book or something like that so um it's been pretty good hey grab my plug out of the backpack please and uh so but yeah it's been a good publication process that's good what is the best way to market your books or do you usually just oh you're good you're good mm -hmm. sorry um what do you usually do for when it comes to marketing your material um I am not good at marketing them online. Um, I don't really do a big push for online sales because that's never been really a good response for me. Um, for me, honestly, the best marketing for my books is just being on the road at cons and stuff. Yeah. And um, thanks, Rosa. Um, because one of, one of the things I've seen the most is just being present and being consistent at Comic Cons has been the best outlet for me. Now I know that doesn't work for everybody else's stuff. Yeah, I'm just going to nudge it up. Yep, that's good. Right there. Thank you. Yep. Y'all are fantastic. Thank you. Yay, teamwork. Um, but uh, that's uh, going out and being present has been a lot more fruitful for me than trying to sell books online or advertising them online because, honestly, my stuff at first appearance isn't usually stuff people are just going to automatically gravitate towards and uh it usually does better when they can have a conversation with me about what it is right. and like to be able to say oh what are you interested in oh well you would like this book or this book and be able to so more personal interaction has always been better for me but on the flip side um like so before i had the website and you could just read all the chapters for free twice a year i would put all of my books for free on kindle and that was like, you know, it's like I'd get past con season, like get into like November when I'm not doing a bunch of shows and say, all right, for this week, all of my books are free. And so I'd have 2000 books downloaded in a week wow. and be like, where were y'all when these things were like, <laughs> when these things were like a normal price? And like, so that's the thing. It's not that, you know, people don't want to always read it. It's just like, you know, people don't spend a lot of money on books. Um, and so like, and that was always, that was kind of a wake up call to me is like, there are, there's an audience because like, if it's free, 2000 people will read it. Um, and like, uh, point in case, like the stranger things chapter that I, we just put up a couple, I guess a month or so now, um, I think more people have read that chapter than have bought book eight online. Hmm. Um, and you know because online sales are its own little market but like like more people have read that one stranger things chapter than bought book eight outside of my hands so it's it's you know i found that you know putting it out there where people have a better chance to read it um is a good way to do it and that honestly there's a lot of times people will say oh i got a bunch of your books when they were free on kindle and now i'm here to get the next ones yeah. um or they'll come back and buy them um one guy, I, met, I officiated a wedding two weeks ago, and like they were, some, one of the folks was talking about my books, and um, the guy's Kindle Unlimited program lets him download all the books for free. 
And so he like shot me a message. He said, I got all your books for free, but I want to pay you. What's your PayPal? Um, so it's been, it's been its own little thing with, uh, I don't really know what I'm doing in terms of promotion, but I know that if you keep showing up, um, it's a big thing. Um, being involved in panels, being involved in uh, just making sure that you celebrate the little victories and people eventually get on with that. So I think that's, that's been my best response with that. Yeah. Okay, so one thing I noticed is a lot of authors, they either get energized or they get exhausted from writing. So an author will write for a little while, then they'll be exhausted, they'll need to recuperate. But some authors just get super energized from their writing. What are you, or how are you with writing? Um, I'm pretty much like once I've done a chapter and that chapter is done, I'm done for a couple weeks. Um, like, unless I'm on a deadline, once I've outpoured something completely, then I'm done. But, like, on the flip side, like, writing this is great for me, but I also, you know, work, I work with a church, and we write a lot of sermons, and we write a lot of different stuff. And so it's just, like, if I'm not writing my stuff, I'm writing somebody else's stuff. And so it, it takes a lot of, like, my creative uh energy to be able to do stuff for other people even if I'm not doing it for me um, yeah. but for generally speaking once I've done like so when a chapter for me would uh, be usually about 3,000 words and when I'm done with that I'm done for a couple weeks but then uh, over the pandemic I was writing for uh, the Robisonian every day every week for a year and uh, they writing uh, they were calling them Sunday school lessons but it was like a little devotional they wanted in the newspaper and I did that every week for a year. And so I found that when I was doing that, I wasn't writing for me or for this because I was like, once I'd write for them, I'm like, oh, no, that's all I had. I'm done. Yeah. Makes sense. So sort of in line with that question is, what is your kryptonite when it comes to writing? What is something that just stops you dead or keeps you from writing? Um, my time schedule, honestly, um, I keep myself pretty busy and I also have family and, uh, obligations and stuff that kind of goes along with that. And, um, hold on just one second. Where's Carmen? Okay. Um, just as speaking of, uh, kid relationships, taking focus, um, that, you know, trying to keep everybody else's schedules and church schedules and ministry schedules and stuff like that uh, yeah. doesn't allow it. And, you know, I really, if I don't put writing time on my schedule, uh, I won't write um, unless I, like, get to a boiling point where, like, I've got something in me. i got to get it out. Um, but, like, usually when it comes to a slower season, like, say, November or December or something like that, I'll take three hours a morning for like one day a week, I like to say Mondays, I'll spend three hours on Monday and I'll go sit at Panera and just write there and that, that'll be my only focus. Like I told the manager at Panera, I've written four books sitting in the same booth at Panera since they've been there. Um, Panera is really nice. I used to go there pretty often while I was working at Walmart. Okay. It was a good way to just get away from Walmart. <laughs> so how do you handle writer's block? For me, honestly, I don't. Uh, I don't know that I really 
hit writer's block too often, but because I'm not on anybody else's schedule, I only write when I feel inspired. So um, that means that if I'm not, like, I I can go a long while. Um, Like, gosh, uh, I went from book eight got published in July. Yeah, book eight got published in July. The last thing I wrote for book eight was in May. And then I didn't write anything else, like, for real, until um, Stranger Things season four. So, like, however long that was. Um, like, so I had, like, six months off, at least, where I just wasn't putting a lot of focus on writing. But on, on the same time, there's also the thing, the constant creative output. I do a, uh, uh, there's a radio network called Love Thy Nerd Radio. And uh, I do a weekly three-minute devotional on their radio station every week. So, like, every Monday night, I've got a deadline of recording an audio devotional uh, that's three minutes intact to go out to them. So, like, like, I may not be writing that, but, like, I'm still, like, it usually happens, like, it's 11.43. I'm like, oh, I didn't do this, and let me go do that. Um, but I've been doing that for... Um, we're on like 130 episodes of that. Um, wow. So that's, uh, there's been a lot of those that have gone out. Um, so just little bursts even with that. So like I write for that, not just based on pure inspiration, but the stuff that I actually want to publish and want to write for myself, I only really write when I feel inspired anyway. So yeah. it helps with that. Yeah, that honestly I think that is a good way to counter writer's block. Write when and what you want. Instead of having like specific deadlines, specific do this, do that, then yeah, I like that. Um, describe your writing space, like where you go to write. What is it like? I literally go to the uh, walk in Panera. The there's two booths that are like mid-sized booths. I sit the one closest to the kitchen. And I face the window, um, but like I'll go, I'll go to Panera. I'll take some um, uh, noise canceling headphones, big cushy ones, so it's not hurting my inner ears. And I'll put on like a um, a instrumental soundtrack and of something, or like piano versions of pop songs or something like that. Just something yeah. without lyrics, and uh, you know. I'll have my notes and just go from there. I'll drink some coffee when I take a break, check my emails, go back to it. Um, that's for my scheduled writing time. That's that the space I usually go to. There's also plenty of times I'll just pull a laptop out and squat some random space and, you know, oh, I've got this one thing I want to write out. Yeah. Um, right now I'm at, like I'm, I'm not currently writing on anything new, but I'm editing a work that is going out. And, like, usually I'll just schedule 20 minutes to – and my work data just to like poke at that for a minute. But, um, but generally speaking, coffee, um, noise canceling headphones, something instrumental, and turn my phone on airplane mode is a, is a big way to do it. Sounds good. Um, have you ever, or do you ever consider writing under a pseudonym, like an alternate name? Yes. Um, because, uh, my name means something to a different people 
Um, like if you throw my name out at a comic con, they're like, oh, that's the Jesus guy, or that's the, um, you know, like my name carries a certain weight to in certain areas. Um, and if I ever wanted to write something that did not fit in the parameters of that, not necessarily that it's like sketchy, but like at the same time, you know, I don't want that tied to that. Like um, this is, you know, this right, this idea is copywritten. Don't take it. Um, so, like, uh, I've been wanting to write an anthology horror series um, based on the graveyard in the center of town. Like, the one that, like, circles, like, where, you know, Main, like, uh, Fayetteville Road and Elm and everything else, the, the one right there. Like, uh, I've walked through there a lot, and, like, because it's, like, the center of town, you can see so many different aspects of town from all these things. And I wanted to write a series of, like, scary stories or horror stories that based out of that graveyard. Um, and, like, I've made notes of that forever. And, like... I wouldn't publish that under my name just because somebody's gonna lose their mind. Um, and like I would publish that under another name or like at one point in time I was writing like a warm fuzzy romance story. Um, and it's like floating somewhere in my Word documents. And like again, same reason, like people wouldn't like know what to do with that, so. Yeah, and Nora Roberts says basically the same thing. She has J.D. Robb where she writes like, detective murder mystery type stuff while her other writings is usually romance based and she goes under her own name Nora Roberts yeah so I think oh, good. I was just gonna say like I, I feel like that does a service for uh like the writer because like it weirds me out because as we previously mentioned that you can pick up James Patterson and you don't know if you're getting a murder mystery a young adult adventure story a country romance or like a was that he co-wrote a book with Bill Clinton? It's just like you don't, you don't know what you're getting when you pick up James Patterson. Yeah. Um, so it's like you know, I want you know, if somebody picks up a book with my name on it as it is, I think they're going to know what they're getting. Um, and if I was going to ever branch out from that, I would want, I would probably do something a little different just for the sake of like safeguarding like that. But uh, yeah. I also don't plan to do anything so sketchy that I couldn't put my name on it. It was just for the purpose of. You know that making it easy to differentiate between one and the other's genres. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's just as simple as like a what is it a Donald Glover calling himself Childish Gambino when he raps. I'm just like <laughs> it's like it just you know it's a good distinction. So yeah. Um, what is the most difficult difficult part about writing for you? that I'd say because if, if, if I only write when I'm inspired and I'm discouraged, I'm not inspired. Um, so if the rest of my life is discouraging, if I'm not emotionally stable in relationships or work or just as the world is depressing, like it's hard for me to feel inspired to write um, because like I feel like inspiration is like when you rise above your circumstances to like tell something and if you're bogged down under your circumstances, it's hard to actually have a something to say. So I'd say that's because if I'm writing from my heart and my heart is heavy, it's hard to actually give more than that. Yeah. Um, and I would say that because like, you know, when I'm on a schedule for like writing for the radio show or the newspaper or, you know, the screenwriting and stuff, I can churn that out and, you know, not fake it, but you know, like I can squeeze that out because it's a little bit, but if I'm gonna write something genuine, like, 
you know, I think I have to be in a place where I'm emotionally stable or enough to write it, or unless I'm writing about being emotionally unstable, and then that's easy. Um, but, because that's its own form of inspiration. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say that's because because it's attached to who I am as a person, so it's harder to to just throw stuff out when it's not that, when I'm not in the best place. And I'm pretty sure with recent stuff like COVID and everything, it's made things difficult. It, it's made th- it's made things harder, and like it's you know a lot of times as well. It's like you know I I'll, I'll hit a point like people that have spent time with me at cons and stuff have heard me say, oh, this is the last one I'm done after this one. I quit after this. It's over. And, like, I've been saying I'm quitting since the first book, and it's not really worked out. But, like, I think I get really knocked down. And um, so uh, book seven, I wrote most of that pre-pandemic. Um, but it was going to be published May of 2020. Um, so the book was ba- basically done. Um, and but March came, the world kind of went, and I was like, "Well, I'm not gonna put a book out here in the middle of all this." And um, but like, uh, it had a whole different intro of like, you know, I'm burned out, I'm tired, I can't do this anymore. Uh, I've 2019 about killed me, and you know, thanks for being a reader. I'm out, peace. And like, I had this whole long-winded I quit speech at the beginning of book seven. And then the pandemic happened, and I calmed down for a bit. And then, like, I went to go publish book seven. I was like, "Oh, let me let me fix this intro real quick." And um, and you know, it's just one of those things of like, writing is great when it's an extension of you um, and what you have to give. But if, if you don't feel like you have anything left to give, you don't have anything to, honest to put out there. And uh, that, but and so the pandemic didn't help, but uh that uh it did actually help in some ways um i had a better year in 2020 than i did in 2019 um but that was because i was made to be still for a minute so yeah i'd say that that makes sense so how did publishing your first book change your writing process or did it it did um publishing my first book taught me to be patient um, because I was in such a hurry to get it out there because I'd never done anything and actually saw it actually go to fruition like that that I just wanted it out there so when I turned it into my editor and at that point in time my editor was a just graduated English major that was teaching his first year of high school English and I was like all right edit this bad boy let's go he he handed me corrections I'm like I'm sure it's great publish and like I didn't even look at it twice like after he handed it back to me and then so it's like nine years later I'm like every time like so like I'll set up my book display and I won't put book one out there like at cons and they're like where's book one I'm like "Ah, you don't want book one (laughs) you don't need to start with that one go to this one or jump to the one that has more stuff and like I'm literally regretting nine years later the mistakes of like not taking time to edit it properly and at the same time I could take the time to go back and do it um, but like, I just also would rather focus on stuff moving forward. But because I, like, I'm at the point now where I can't carry every book I've written to every show, I just don't have the money or space. Um, so, but that definitely taught me that I n- need to learn to be patient. That if I'm going to put something out there that's worth it, then I need to make sure I'm patient enough to give it the best effort. Because I would have a lot less regrets about book one if I had taken time to be a little more patient with its publication. Yeah. 
But a lot of people, they always go back to their first content, the first thing they created, and they see that they've made a lot of growth since then. And it's always hard to look back at the first. But even if you do rush it, even if you do something, it's getting it out that's the important thing. And you've grown so much since that first one. So it's hard to say to be proud of the first, but it's always really great to be proud of the first because you can only ever go from there. Yeah. And it, it weirded me out uh, about eight months ago, somebody sent me a message and said, hey, I've read all your books now, and your first one's still my favorite one. And I'm just like, how dare you? <laughs> like, I was like offended by that, but I'm like, also, thanks. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, because the first one I want to say is, um, it's the first one's 90 pages. The newest one is 304. And it, it's the difference of like 19,000 words and 56,000 words. And I'm like, how dare you <laughs> like that little one first but it's also I know that I know for a fact that I've gotten way wordier like and because I will yammer on when I'm writing now and I'll be like just like throwing out every thought that I have where the first one's like here's a sentence goodbye and so it's I bet you can tell the difference but that was the big thing is it taught me to be patient and actually that being patient was worth the process How long, on average, does it take you to fully write and publish a book? If I'm doing it all in a lump, it usually takes me about four months. Like, if I've made all my notes ahead of time and, like, I'm just fleshing it out, it takes about four months um, of just daily, at least putting an hour in a day. Um, More realistically, it's about a six-month window. And um, it also depends on, like, because a lot of my stuff is reflective of pop culture stuff, like, it also depends on what the world is doing. Like, if, if, if like, there's 30 superhero movies dropping in one year, I, like, I might have more than enough to write about if it's, you know, nothing good's come out in a while. It's like, you know, it's also, I never try and shoehorn anything that I'm writing about because if I'm, if I'm drawing biblical parallels or I'm talking about how something's inspired me and nothing's inspiring me, I'm just like... No, because, um, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're going to write about Loki? And I watched the Loki show, and it, I didn't have any, I wasn't disappointed with the show, but nothing, like, moved my soul. So I was just like, no. Mm, that's fair. <laughs> and so it's, you know, it's, it's the same thing of, like, it, if I'm only writing when I'm inspired, I also have to get inspired. Um, but, like, you know, I'm, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the Lord of the Rings show to end because I know I'm going to write about that. And, you know, I'm waiting for some other stuff just to kind of finish its process. But, uh, you know, it's, it usually takes me about six months to write. Um, my editor likes to wait uh, till the very last minute of the very last minute to do his edits. So if I, I, can, I can give him, I could turn the book into him in January and say, I need this book by March 3rd. Like... April 29th, he'll start. Oh. And I, I could be like, and I, you know, it'd be like, hey man, what, let's try this this year. I'll send you a chapter a time as I write them. That way you can go ahead and edit it. Nah. <laughs> I'm like, bro, you make me anxious every year. And like, there'll be times so like, and you know, it's to the point where I'll, I'll add a month to the deadline just so that when he's like, oh man, I'm not going to have it done in time. Can you give me another week? Oh, how dare you? Yes, sure. 
knowing I got three extra weeks because I don't trust him. Um, and that's the thing too. He's he's as busy as I am. Um, and so I know it's not like he's just doggling. He's just got other stuff to do. Um, so uh, the editing process also depends on your editor, uh, and you know, and what they're going to do with it. And um, so I, I usually give him two months to edit, but he usually takes two weeks. Um, so it's a six to eight month window, I'd say, with all of that together. And once it's submitted to Amazon, turned in, approved. Um, to get multiple copies, uh, right now it's three weeks to a month. Um, like say, for instance, if I, I if I publish this book on Tuesday, I could buy an individual copy from Amazon and have it here by Thursday. If I wanted five copies, as an author at the author rate, um, it would take a month. And because they, they, they print stuff a lot faster if it's a, cu a paying customer versus an author. Because yeah. um, they're not making money off of author copies. Like they're making the bare minimum like 30 cents or whatever. Um, so they don't print it fast for us. It's just like y'all gotta learn to be patient. So yeah. um, in fact, like when I was putting copies of the books up there, I'm using like, so the folks at the back bought a bunch of books and I was delivering them today. Um, I had to put their books up there as display because I don't have any, um, because it's in the mail. Because <laughs> it was supposed to be here yesterday and they're like, ah, it'll be another week. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so are you friends with any other authors? Yes, um, this has made, um, this whole experience, and especially being the con circuit, has put me in connection with a lot of authors. In fact, I'm at least acquaintances with some of my favorite authors. Um, I'd say I'm friends with some of them, um, but like I also don't want to say everybody I meet's my friend. But like uh, like the guy Tom King that I mentioned that writes some of my favorite comic books and stuff. Um, he's responsible for WandaVision, like the core story that they based it on. Everything else, like he's. We've sat down and had conversations about my books and his books and stuff like that, and you know that's just cool to me. But um, basically, every everybody that I've read comic books by, I've met through this process and at least got to talk to. Um, I've got friends that are authors that are um, good friends. Um, I officiated the wedding of a guy that makes comic books for um, recently that I only knew from comic cons and. Um, yeah, I've, I've gotten to meet some other authors in the process, and we, we bounce each other's ideas off of each other, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's been a good road, but I'd probably say actual friends, I've probably got about eight or nine author friends that I've made through this whole process, um, and I've met a lot more, but, yeah. That's really cool. Okay, so if you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Be patient. Um, read it again. <laughs> just, just I'd, I'd be cryptic. I'd give one post-it note that said read it again. And um, just so uh, with that, but that's, I think, being patient and reading it again would be the, um, the biggest thing. And uh, with that, but also just um, be patient. Yeah, be pa honestly, patience would be the biggest thing. Like everything else, I would say stems from that. Is just learning to be patient with myself, and with other people, and with the process. Because uh, when I've rushed it, or when I've rushed for uh, to manufacture an outcome, 
is usually when I find myself most frustrated. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think being patient has been the biggest thing. So what are you currently working on? Um, I'm loosely working on Faith and Phantom 9. Like, I've got a few chapters in the works with that, and it'll move at its own pace. I'll probably have one out for the summer, depending on how the rest of the year goes. Um, I, I did spend a year writing uh, those individual weeks for the Robisonian, and I'm currently editing all of those into a book um, to publish. It'll just be a devotionals of the, like, it'll be a newspaper-themed devotional. I don't know what it's going to be called yet, but uh, that's coming out. Um, I'm... 70% of the way formatting and editing that. Um, so it's whenever I sit down and do it. Um, I've got a comic book uh, that is being illustrated now. That's the one about growing up, awkward church stories. And uh, I've got another book in development with a illustrator out of Colorado that is um, kind of a slice of life uh, superhero relationship story. Kind of like a um, kind of like a superheroes dating from TikTok type situation. That'd be actually really interesting. <laughs> okay, okay, so here, here's the elevator pitch. Um, a supervillain gets on TikTok and does a, a, uh, a thing where she's saying, oh no, I hope a superhero doesn't stop me. And so a superhero actually gets on TikTok and does a TikTok pretending to stop her and they don't know that they're actually a superhero and a supervillain. And so they start chatting. They thought they were just goofing around on TikTok, and then they find out, oh, you're legit a superhero. And they're like, oh no, I should totally arrest you. And like, goes from there. Um, so that that's being developed um, right now. And uh, the the church uh, comic book is being done specifically because there's a comic book publisher called Keen Spot. And um, Keen Spot is this award-winning publisher that specializes in doing eclectic stories. Like, they don't want DC and Marvel stuff. They want stuff that random people will find interesting. And so they're looking at my awkward church story comic book as something they want to publish. But I've got to give them a completed first issue um, for them to say, okay, here's X amount of dollars. Make it happen continually. Um, So the artist is doing the rough draft of that now. And... They're waiting on us to do it. They haven't given us a deadline, but they're waiting on it. So that's what I'm w- working on right now. Oh, so the first issue is youth groups and how awkward that is. The next issue will be youth, will be uh, youth mission trips. Then it'll be camp. Then it'll be college ministry, and it's just going to be like different timelines for six issues. I'm definitely going to read the mission trips one. <laughs> and they're all loosely based on really weird stuff that's happened in my growing up. So, yeah, it's, it's in there. Um, are you on social media, and can your readers interact with you through social media? Uh, yes, I'm on basically all the social medias, at Faith and Fandom, uh, for Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, I don't use Twitter a lot. Um, I'm on TikTok, but uh, it's not really book associated but you can still interact there but uh facebook and instagram and stuff like that constantly you can always interact there and finally uh what tips or advice do you have for anyone that wants to get into writing um don't do it alone build yourself a team of people you can trust and when they fall through build another team um don't like don't because because nobody's going to care about your projects the same way that you do Right. And even if they care for a season, that season will end, 
and you need to find the people to when that season ends don't give up find the next people for the next season and um because i one of the things i've struggled with is i'd have people that would come alongside me for like a sprint and then they like all right i'm out and when they pull off like i feel lost and i don't know what to do um and so i've had to learn to like okay keep finding your new people um but not give up just because somebody else doesn't believe in it as much as you do because if it's your project no one will believe in it the way you do and you've got to keep moving like you've got to keep moving like you always believe in what you're doing and that's really hard sometimes so that'd be a big thing but also make sure you've got a good editor so that's actually all the questions I have. Was there anything that you'd like to talk about? Anything you'd like to broadcast? Well, nothing to really broadcast, but uh, I'll vote for anybody else. Anyone have any last minute questions? I got one. Um, it's kind of like a statement and a question. Um, one of my greatest things about like having you as my pastor is that you're my friend and like a brother to me. I'm not gonna cry, I promise. And um, you've been so amazing for my faith, just watching you at cons. I've seen times where people would say and do things, I'm just like, I would get like upset and you would just like shrug it off and you were you, the Hector I always knew you to be and that's amazing. Um, part of that is, is that I remember the first time I went to the church. Like, you know, it was a galaxy con, mm -hmm. and um, it was so weird going to church with like wizards and furry people <laughs> and a dude in a dinosaur costume. It was it was wild, and um, I know you, you also posted about you posted about the day, and I think I heard you say it in a sermon about the whole like prophet away from home, carpenter of town thing, um, and that reminded me of something. Like for prior to the pandemic, there was this idea that we were going to have like a mini con at you know, vertical lumberson. And I was wondering what would like you think not only would the town be like interested in something like that, but as well as like our congregation and churches around to actually having like a geek church like Sunday, like where we have a con and regular old folks who are not interested in that thing would just sit down with, I don't know, a wizard or a warlock or <laughs> and just have church. Like I mean, you know that go out to those, right? I think the con thing is realistic, and I think that's probably coming in the spring, just on a heads up. Because um, if I if there was time between now and Christmas, it would happen. I just booked for everything. I don't have free weekends. Um, but uh, I think the church thing would be its own weird like thing, just because I think that only works at bigger th places that actually have people staying for the weekends. I think if, if people have the option to go home or go to their church, that's what they're going to do. Because it doesn't even really work at Fayetteville because everybody's close enough to go home. Um, but, I mean, it's not a bad idea to try. Any other questions? Does Danielle uh, edit your book before you? No. Uh, uh, Danielle, like... Uh, waved this all, all this off like eight years ago. <laughs> like it was cool when it was a, a one-time thing, and like this was what you know it was going to be like. Um, but when it actually became, this is what our life is going to look like for the next decade. She's like, I'm out. Um, like I don't know if she's read anything I've written since like book one. <laughs> like and uh, like she went to uh, one of the. The second, the first, at the end of the first year of me doing Comic-Cons and stuff, 
um, she went to the biggest, that, that con was on a Father's Day weekend, and she brought all, the whole family to that con. Like, Carmen was in the stroller, uh, the others were like six and four or something like that. She walked into the biggest con in the state. She's like, this isn't for me. <laughs> Hadn't been back. <laughs> like, she hasn't been back to a con since then. So that's like, we've, we've got our little dividers there. So um, it's her boundary. that's her boundary. So no, she, she doesn't edit. She's not really uh, in, in that process. But, you know, oh, yeah. I, you, I also don't like, you know, train her medical students on things so like That's we've right. we've learned uh, our boundaries with that so um, how did it feel like not just as an author but as a parent when you were recording the audio for can I still wear my cake that was honestly like a really fun process um, I was super proud of Carmen um, because she like you know she did like the audio when she did the audio for that she went all in and she took my critiques to heart and I was like all right I, and it was just literally like I'm sitting on the floor she's got the microphone up here and I'm like all right I need more R and she's like huh R and like it was, it was a good process but like the finished product was a uh, like actually hearing the audio of it was a really good thing and what's crazy is um I've had people in the comic-con world that heard the audio of it who've said oh your daughter did way better than you and I'm like <laughs> thanks and they're like, you know, like, we hear you talk all the time. We're dead to it. And they're like, but she did a really good job. So, um, like, you know, uh, getting to involve her um, has been a really good process because getting to have my kids be involved in different parts of the whole book, author, con thing has always been a good situation. Which leads me to my question. So, um, growing up, saying very similar to your family with three girls and a very different dad... <laughs> who just marched to the beat of his own drum. None of my friends had dads like ours. We wrote songs. I mean, they were not published, but copyrighted. I mean, it was like a thing. We would drive the extra 100 miles to see this or that, and he loved comic books, and so whereas in their house, everything matched and was home interior, our house had guitars on the walls and his favorite places and 10 signs and it, it was just very eclectic. I mean, it was just, that's just what it was. So growing up that way, and especially as being older now, we look back and we're like, we had we had the best life. Like, I feel bad for the other people. <laughs> when just like the regular dads that just went to work and their houses had home interior, everything matched. So do you hope that your girls will follow in your footsteps, whether it be writing or Comic-Cons or, you know, church or... Is that something that you want? I notice you have them with you a lot at these events. Mm -hmm. So obviously you include them like our dad included us in all of his stuff. Um, at this point, my kids are already cooler than me. <laughs> um, Rosa and Bella are already actually both published authors for different things. Um, I, can't, I don't know the full details of the titles of what they did, but uh, it's a thing for students where they submit their works and they're chosen out of however many hundreds. And uh, you're both state thingies this year um so they're both multiple time published for rosa and bella um carmen's like just getting into that but like you know uh with like co competitive dance and different stuff like that but um I, I honestly don't care if they you know invest much in the nerdy stuff i hope that they've um they've they've already had more of it than the average muggle and um 
And, you know, but there is times where I'm really proud where I'll walk by and I'll see the, the little things that they've adapted or, you know, how they respond to stuff. And, but I also, I also know what it looks like when a parent tries too hard to push something. Sure. So I'm like, I really like this. Do you want to be a part of it? Um, and, um, like, even today, like, uh, their mom's at a wedding. Um, so, like, I asked right before he got a car, I was like, is anybody not wanting to come? Bella's like, I don't want to come. And I, she, and she, I said, why? She's like, well, I want to stay at the house. I'm like, that's not a good enough reason. And I was like, but that's, that's the thing. It's just like, I don't want to force them to stuff. And usually when I'm traveling, doing in cons and stuff, I'll always say, does someone want to go to this week or whatever else? And usually, like, they take their pick. Or if I know I'm taking a big trip to a big show, I'll try and make sure at least one of them gets to go to one of those each year. Um, but, like, you know, it's it's the same way with church and stuff like that. I want to show them where I'm at, what I'm passionate about, and let them make that choice. But uh, I'm already, I mean, they've already, they're already cooler than me, and I couldn't be more impressed with who they are as people. So, mm-hmm. is there anything that you love, absolutely love, you find out that your kids just don't like it? Um, that's a better question for y'all. Is there stuff I love that y'all hate? Um, I mean, they're not about everything, but like, I'm pretty sure there's music they just deal with. Um, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. She's <laughs> fucking quick with that. Yeah, I, I love Bob Dylan. And, um, like, his songs are else yeah, his songs are better when other people yeah. sing them, but I love Bob Dylan. Like, I put on Bob Dylan vinyls and just vibe out, and they're like, please stop. <laughs> That's, that might be it. Yeah. But, yeah. Fair. Okay. <laughs> I think that's all I had for today. Thank you all so much for coming, and thank you, Mr. Murray, for coming to this. Thank you. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, Beth. That was great. You did a great job. Right, and, that's, and Patrick put on a whole series where, he, what, had five, six authors come through? Uh, four. He had four. He had four authors come through and doing this, so it's pretty cool. So great job, man. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I had another, um, a, few author, a few other authors, but they ended up canceling, but four is good. Now, I do hope to do this again next year yeah. and make it like an author August. That kind of extended to September. But that's, that's <laughs> well, wait, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much. Thanks a lot, man. Mm-hmm.